Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. Good morning, church. So, it's kind of funny because um, my sermon is basically already done during worship towards the end because the title of my sermon is Trust in God. So it's amazing to see that God is already speaking to our hearts during worship and now you just get confirmation of what was said during worship. And and I, I want to reiterate what Pastor Don said. It's scary to trust God sometimes, but sometimes it's that first step that we take that's the scariest, but it's the one then that propels us to continue to make those other steps. So for me, trusting God has become a very big, well, it's always been a topic in my mind, but I'm finishing up um, my last semester of college, this upcoming semester. And so (laughs) with that comes a lot of uh oh, <laughs> I'm supposed to go into the real world and get a real job and with real with people and like then there's all these other things about just as you get older. Oh, I you start thinking, oh my gosh, I might have to move out of my parents' house soon, which they would never unless I was ready to move out. But all of a sudden, all of these things where I didn't have to think about before and I trusted in God. I trusted in God to provide because I didn't need much provision. <laughs> I got my provision from my parents. And now, now that that's, now that's slowly coming to an end, it's like, oh, trusting God becomes a new reality. And so in the very beginning of the year, I was praying and asking God for a verse that he would give me that would get me through the rest of this year. And He led me to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. And I'm going to read it first in the New Living Translation. It says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And so this has been my verse from the very beginning. Literally before January, I was praying and asking God, Lord, give me a word for 2023. What do I need to know going into 2023? And this was the verse. And I was like, okay, I mean, I already do that. I trust God. I trust in God for all my needs, everything. I trust in him. But trusting in God soon became a smaller and smaller thing. And I began to deal with anxiety and fears because I began to allow my worries and uncertainties of the future become what led me and what guided me. And that led me into a spiral, honestly. And it's been a few months of me really truly in understanding what it means to trust in the Lord. And I'm going to give you guys this same verse, but in the Passion Translation. And it says, within your heart, you can make plans for your future, but the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. So for those of you who may not know, I am an aspiring teacher. I'm currently, um, I'm about to graduate with a liberal studies degree with my teaching credential. And with that, I didn't understand how much work was going to be involved in that. 
I just thought, oh, teachers, you know? You see all the TikToks, you see all the Instagram reels. Everyone who seems to want to be a teacher is carefree in life. So I immediately assumed, oh, therefore, I will be carefree throughout the time. It's a lie, okay? <laughs> they lie to you when they say that being a teacher is easy because they're like, oh, you just play with kids all day. Yeah, but for me, it was going to school all the way in Costa Mesa as a commuter. So I com my commute alone is 40 minutes to an hour. And then on top of that, I'm student teaching. If you don't know what that is, it's basically my internship. I go to the classroom, I am with the teacher, with the kids, I'm helping them out. And then after I student teach, I go back to my school to, lear to learn for myself. And it was very tiring, it was very draining and very hard. And all of a sudden, God was showing me, do you really trust me to be your strength? Because during this, throughout my whole life, I've never struggled with school. I've never felt like school was something that was difficult for me. And all of a sudden, I feel like I'm drowning in schoolwork because I have schoolwork on top of ministry, on top of things that I have to do at home, on top of my personal life. It was just one thing on top of another. And I had to ask myself, God, what does it mean to really trust you? And so for, for my sermon today, I'm going to walk you through what God has been teaching me and is still teaching me because there are still moments where I do get anxious and I do get afraid. But now I know that God has given me the tools to combat that fear, to combat that worry and that anxiety, and instead replace it with trust. So let's go to the very beginning. What is trust? The, if you look it up on the dictionary or on the web, it says, believe in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of. We're gonna take, go on to the next slide, Leanne, a beautiful, lovely chair that all of you are currently sitting on. None of you took the time to check to make sure that that chair was gonna hold your weight. You just sat, and if it broke, that's unfortunate, but <laughs> it didn't, right? Never in your life have you ever had to check a chair screw by screw to trust that it would hold you. So if we trust so much in a chair, why don't we have that much trust in God? The God who holds the universe in his hands. The God who says, I know you, I love you, I see you, I care about you. Like what Pastor Don was saying during worship, I am for you but he seems to be the person that we question the most once hard things come, once difficulties come, once uncertainty comes. We say, we don't ask, why am, why am I facing this? We ask, why God? Why would you allow this to happen to me? Why am I feeling this way? I thought that I'm not supposed to feel this way, and if I do, it's wrong of me. So trust. We all trust the chair. So how do we know that we can trust God? Number one, he is good and his plans for you are good. This was something that I really had to wrestle with because I was afraid. I began to question the dreams and that I had for so long of becoming a teacher. Are they... Are they really worth what I'm going through right now? <laughs> like, I kind of want to quit, God. And then it came to turn in this test 
called the Cal TPA. I'm being very, very, very vulnerable with all of you. Came the time to turn in this test that I worked on for a really long time. I prayed over it. I prayed and I said, God, be with the person who grades this. Uh, let me pass because if I don't pass, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I have never not passed a test. And so to turn in this test and to get an email a few weeks later and see that I did not pass, it hurt. And there I sat, <clears throat> no, no, we're not crying. There I sat questioning and asking myself, am I sure God wants me to, maybe this is God trying to redirect me and tell me that I'm not meant to be a teacher. Maybe I'm not good enough to be a teacher. Maybe I was just fooled this whole time into thinking that what I thought was my calling wasn't actually my calling. But no, see, I, I did wrestle with that for a really long time. But then God reminded me of the verse, Proverbs 16, 9. You don't have to go back, Leanne. But it says, within your heart, you can make plans for your future. But the Lord chooses the steps that you take to get there. That means, in my mind, am I planning to be a teacher? Yes. Was not passing that test part of my plan? Absolutely not. But what, what can I do in that situation? Trust God. And in that moment, I did not trust God. <laughs> but now I am going to say, and I continue to remind myself, even in the uncertainty, even in the unknowns, even when I'm confused and I don't get it because everyone else around me says, you are a teacher. You're an amazing teacher. You have a calling. You have a gift of teaching. And then one roadblock comes away, and I throw that. That shows where my trust really lies. And so I continue to, Ro uh, no, not Romans, Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And then in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for a future and for a hope. And so even in the moments where we feel like we are not enough, like you are not enough, like everything around you is going wrong, you can still choose to have blind faith and trust that God is going to be who he says he is going to be, and that is good. Nothing short of it, and that's all he will ever be. Good to you to your family, to your children, even when your kids seem like they are far away from God, not wanting to come to church, he's still good. Even when things at work seem bad, he's still good. Even in your mind, when there's a constant battle going on, he's still good. So, the next point is he's faithful. And we see that all throughout the Bible. God promises 
to Abraham and Sarah that he will give them a son and they laugh and say, God, you're crazy because we're old. There's no way that's happening. And then what happens? Isaac. And then we see in the Bible that God promises Joseph all of these crazy far out dreams from the time when he was like a teenager, basically. He gives him these dreams and Joseph goes out and tells everybody and everybody's like, you're funny because you're def we're definitely not, his brothers were saying, we're definitely not going to bow down to our youngest brother who we all hate. But then years passed and what happens? They go to him when they need food. They respond to him because he's in a power, he's in a position of power and authority. And none of that would have happened, if none of that happened the way that Joseph probably thought. He thought, oh, I'll probably grow up and then this will happen and then that'll happen. He didn't think he was gonna get thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, accused of sexual abuse. Like, none of those things, I don't think those are plans on anyone's lists. But what did God use? All of the things that Joseph went through for his good for his glory. And so, the last, the next thing is, what about during those difficult times? What about when I have fears? What about when things really, really truly aren't going the way that I thought they would? What about when I get an unexpected diagnosis and the doctor tells me X, Y, and Z, I have X amount of of years to live or months to live or days to live, what do I do then? Trust God. Because that's all we can do. Everything else in this world will go away. Everything else in this world will fade away. But when you choose to trust in God, you're saying to God, God, I know that what I'm facing looks impossible, but you are God of the impossible. And we've seen that in our church. I've seen it in my personal life for Lolo, my grandpa, who was in, um, he was having kidney failure and the doctors would say, oh yeah, he's not gonna make it. Look at him today, he's standing, he's worshiping, he's praising God. So can I still trust God amidst those difficulties? The answer is yes. And I'm gonna bring you guys through Something that um, has been talked about a lot, and it's gonna, I'm gonna talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So let's go to Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 to 25. It says, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, 
Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a god. Yeah, you guys can clap for that. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. A name, three names that have been talked about over and over. I think a few weeks ago, Atta Christine talked about them. And then when Kyle was leading worship, he was talking about how there is another in the fire standing next to me. So I think, you know, God has been very, very repetitive. And when he's repeating something, you need to tune in and you need to listen. That means because each and every single one of you are going through something. Whether it's big or small, you're going through something. And a lot of the times when we walk through seasons where we question what to do next, God's response can sometimes be strange. For example, God, what do I do when... Ah, my, my health is failing. Trust me. Okay, but what do I do? Trust me. Okay, I trust you, but what do I do? Like, after I trust you, trust me. Sometimes trusting God is the, or trusting in him is the only answer he will give to you. And that was the answer he kept giving to me. And I'm going to share with you guys. Um, a little bit about that later. So from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we can learn a few things. Number one, they chose to honor God despite what everyone around them was doing. And we see this in the Bible when, Leanna, I think you can go to the next one. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, 12, and I think I went all the way to 14. This, this whole portion, I'm not going to read it, basically talks about how as soon as they get to this this place where all these young men are they want to pick the best guys and they choose to eat food that will only honor god and during that time it was probably just vegetables and water and so that's exactly what they said they said oh we want to honor god with what we eat but they said no you can't like you're gonna end up getting sick and you're not gonna be as strong as the other people they basically said test it so they tested it. They fed them what they wanted to be what they wanted to be fed. And then after they were fed in the way that cho they chose to honor God, they were the strongest out of everyone and the, they found favor with the king. So it's amazing to see that your obedience, the small obedience, even when it is countercultural and it is completely different from what everyone else around you does when you choose to honor God he will honor you and for those of you who are my age college it's really hard especially today to live a life that is set apart because everywhere else around you it's not like that everywhere else around you people question 
why you have different beliefs, why you don't think the same way as everyone else. And if you don't think the same way, well then, you can't be with us, sorry. And so it is hard. And it was probably extremely hard for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to say, no, we're going to choose to honor God because they probably got weird looks. So let's move on to point number two. They lived and trusted in God and in his goodness, even if it meant death. Let's go to Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. That is faith that says, I'm sitting in that chair and it's holding me up. That's the faith. Because they didn't, they knew that there were two scenarios. Either they live or they die. And they said, regardless, if I live or if I die, I'm serving God. I'm honoring God. And if it results in death, then so be it. That's a bold statement to make. And personally, that's something that I think I would have struggled with. Because I like to, to breathe. I like to be alive. And I assume everyone here does too. So it's so hard to even think that they were faced in a situation someone literally told them do this or die and they said no i'd rather die that's crazy anyway <laughs> so it makes you really put things into perspective and say it's really easy to tell God, God, I love you. God, I trust you. God, I want to honor you with my whole life and serve you wholeheartedly when there's absolutely nothing bad going on in your life. You, got, you have money coming in. You have the home. You have the cars. You have the food. Everything's covered. But what about in those moments when it's not? What if in those moments, uh-oh, your job, yeah, you don't have that anymore. Can you still say, God, I love you? Can you still say, God, I trust you? Or once that's stripped away from you, you say, where are you? I thought, I thought we were good. I thought I was doing good. I'm still praying. I'm still reading my Bible. I'm still coming to church. I'm still serving at church. But my job is gone. My relationship with my spouse is not where it should be. My relationship with my kids, don't get me started on that. We don't talk. We don't look at each other. We just, what do we do in those situations? I'm going to give you the answer. Trust God. And it was the answer that I hated for so long. But that's really the only answer. And you know the funny thing is that when we go through difficult things, the Bible actually talks about trials a lot. 
And I didn't realize that until I was going through all this uncertainty and fear and unknown things. And I was like, oh, golly, what do I do? What do I do? Let's, let's read. Let's go to James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. This has been a verse that I have been holding on to for myself. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Pause. When I read that, I said, absolutely not. I told God, I said, pure joy. There's no pure joy going on up here, God. In my mind, anything but joy. But let's see why. God says, consider it pure joy. He says in verse 3, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. That means in those moments of difficulty, you have two options. One, lean away from God, tune out God, run away from God. Or two, lean in closer. And then what? So let's go to verse 4. It says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So in James chapter 1, we learn during troubles, count it joy because God is going to grow you from whatever you are experiencing. Now let's move on to another verse that talks about um, troubles again. So 1 Peter 1, 6 to 7. Wouldn't you... Be just so glad to know. So be truly glad. Be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. It might seem more than a little while. It might seem like forever. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So this is the second time when we see, okay, you're going through a hard situation. What do you do? Trust God and in that have joy because God is your hope. And again, if we remind ourselves from the very beginning of the sermon, what I, who I said God is, he's good. So do you see how it's so easy for us to become drowned out by all of the fears and think, okay, so this isn't going well, that isn't going well, I'm gonna, my life is going terribly right now, and yada, yada, yada. And then it just becomes a spiral of anxiety, of fear, of worry. And that's where I was because I forgot to remind myself and constantly have it in the forefront of my mind who God is, and that is good. And once I started to get these verses, oh, I can grow from this, I can learn from this, I can experience God in a deeper and more meaningful way, it began to transform the way that I thought about my fears of the future. And then we'll go to this last one. In Psalm 34, verse 4 to 6, it says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. Amen. A lot of the times when we face things 
like I said, we have two options, to run away from God or run to God. And Psalms 34, 4 to 6 shows what happens when we choose to run to God. It doesn't say, I called on the Lord, I prayed to God, and he ignored me. It says, I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He answered me. But what do you do with that answer? You have to walk in faith. And I think that's the hardest part because it's also a battlefield within your mind because you, just because you know what God said doesn't mean you're, you automatically forget all of the problems that you have. There's a push and a pull of, okay, I want to walk in, 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 in what God is saying, but I'm afraid. And I don't know if this is really God or if it's me or if it's, but he said this. And he keeps repeating this, but I'm so, but I, but God, are you sure? Like, give me, I need another verse. There's 66 books. Come on. You can give me another one. And then, okay. Okay. You need that assurance. Okay. Here's the assurance. But are you really sure, God? Like, was that you? Are you, are you talking to me or am I just talking to me? I'm reading your word. See, it's still, you still have to make that decision to say, okay, God, you said this. I don't get it but we're walking in it. And talking about all of these things, it's actually so interesting how the Holy Spirit has continually, from the very beginning of the year in January, all the way until now, the theme for me and God has been the same, trust me and persevere. And it's so interesting that during... Um, a young adult's Bible study on Tuesday. Pastora Dawn said this. You can put it up, Leanne. She said, instead of seeing deficits and difficulties as doom and gloom, see them as an opportunity to lean into God for his wholeness and healing. So whenever we're going through something, we often focus on the negative. But we can see it also as an opportunity to lean in closer to God. Then a few days later, Leanne, pull up the pink one. Um, this pops up on my Instagram page, and if you can't read it, it says, the trial you're facing isn't here to destroy you. It's a beautiful opportunity to let your connection with Jesus flourish. If that isn't God speaking to me personally, but also to each and every single one of you, I don't know what is. Because not only that, we're moving on to my final point here, you know what happens when you choose to trust in God or what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they said, we're going to choose God with an unwavering faith. We're going to choose to trust despite what everyone else says. What happens? Point three, their trust led to the salvation of others. And you see that in Daniel chapter 3, verses 28 to 29. And it says, Then Sha uh, the Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people 
whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Your trial can lead to the salvation of many others. And again, God wants to emphasize this because look at what popped up on my feed the next day. Leanne, pull up the yellow one. Nothing God allows us to go through is pointless. Church, what you're going through now, it can lead to your doom. It can lead to your gloom. But it can also be an opportunity for you to redirect your focus and Say, God, I trust you no matter what. And in that, you will experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. In that, you will experience the comfort of God. And in that, people will come to you because they say, oh, I know that she's gone through a hard thing. Let's see what she does. Boom, there's your opportunity to say, now is your time for salvation. And then, there's more verses that that emphasize this point of you being able to use whatever you're going through for the benefit of others. Second Corinthians verse, uh, chapter one, verse four says this, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When we, when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And in this verse, it's talking about comfort. But you can, ex you can replace comfort with anything because whatever you're facing, it's only going to become something that you can use later as a testimony because your testimony is the most powerful weapon that you have. We've seen that through Daniel's life, something that the enemy wanted for evil, God turned around and used for good, and now we're seeing how because of that testimony was shared, there is freedom within this church, and there can be freedom for whatever you're facing, your financial struggles, your health problems, your worry, your fear, all of those, and it becomes your testimony. Revelations, cha Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. See, trials, trouble, tribulation, difficulties in life, they're never going away because that's just how life is. But what does change is your response and the way that you choose to view those problems, the way you choose to view those difficulties. I think God is so funny because to just completely confirm what I was, um, what I'm preaching about today, while I was doing my devotions yesterday, um, I stumbled upon this, Job chapter 23 Verses 10 to 12. But he knows where I am going. There's Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 for you. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. There's James 1, 2 to 4 and all those other verses. For I have stayed on God's path. I have followed his ways and not turned aside. I have not departed from his commands, but have treasured his words more than daily food. That last part, but I've treasured his words more than daily food. I love how Tita Mina 
mentioned the the fact about being starving, about being hungry. Because again, it's, it's just, everything is meshing this Sunday. Isn't the Holy Spirit awesome? <laughs> so just to see that when you are going through something, God never forgets about you. Instead, he's constantly trying to show you his goodness, his kindness, his love, his mercy in whatever you're facing. And ultimately, because of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's trust, they learned about who God is in a deeper way. They already trusted God so much that they were willing to say, you know what, God, I choose to follow you even if I'm going to die. But imagine to their surprise when it didn't end in death. And so because of all of that, they were able to experience God deeper. And probably the people around them were able to experience God deeper. All of this goes to show that you and I should never be afraid to trust God. Trust when things are going well, and things are amazing, fun, great. And trust when things are the complete opposite. With that, I, I, I want to introduce you guys to a new song. It's called Trusting God by Elevation Worship. And I feel like it's something that God has really been emphasizing to us as a church. Being the full, that he is the fourth man in the fire, that he is dependable, that he is there in our time of need. But it's up to us to come to God and to say, God, I will take, I will reach out and pull everything that I need from you. Because when I try to do it by myself, I fail. When I try to think of solutions to my problems, I just get more anxious. Sometimes when we stop focusing about how we can fix whatever situation we're in and choose to focus our mind on God, that's when we see change happen. And it's not because we've done something different. It's not because you prayed more. It's not because you worshiped more. It's not because you read your Bible more, which you should be doing. But it's because you chose to redirect your thoughts. You chose to redirect your worries. And instead of allowing them to become your burden to hold, you say, God, I surrender. So when we sing the song, and I invite you all to stand with me as, as we sing it, I want each of you to lay down whatever you're facing, whether it's sickness, whether it's finances, whether it's relationships or anything else in between, lay it down and say, God, I'm choosing not to focus on my ability or my inability, but in who you are. I choose to focus that you are God, that you are good. And I don't want you to say, okay, God, I give it to you. What is it? Name it. God, I give you my relationship with my spouse. We've been fighting a lot, and I don't want that anymore. So I want you to come in and restore and heal. God, my body, my legs are not working the same way that they used to. So I choose to give that up to you. Name it. 
Because when you name it and you say it out loud and you give it up to God, he gives you exactly what you need. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.